I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund at Autzen Stadium, where Washington upsets number six ranked Oregon 37 to 34 in front of a sold out crowd at Autzen Stadium with an announced attendance of 58,756. And you guys haven't been here for a little while, but, you know, I always say that it's a kinder, gentler Autzen. I'll tell you why. I have not smelt that much weed since I saw Ted Nugent, Cheap Trick, and ACDC back in the Coliseum back in the early 80s. Even the players were commenting on it, and that's why with this fog rolling in, I'm wondering, because I'm in the press box, is that really fog, or is that the weed coming out from the city of Eugene? But uh, crazy game. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy game, and I think it just started right off the bat with Washington winning the toss, and have they ever taken the ball when they've won the toss with coach DeBoer? This, this year no no when they won the toss they always defer I think it was a great great decision to take that ball you know I talked to Michael Penix afterwards and you know Michael um said that in his conversation with coach Grubb that if they won the toss that they were going to get the ball and not give Oregon the opportunity to get off to a fast start I think that might you could argue that might be the play of the game to take the ball uh, on the first possession. Well, well I mean, we, we <laughs> talked about it. We talked about it this week about how, you know, you, you brought up the exact question. Yeah. Bring it up now, Kim. And, and what was our comment back then? Really you, torn because typically you would want to defer so that you could have it coming out of the half and you would, and you would know exactly where you stand. You'd know, okay, this is what we need to do. These are the adjustments we need to make. Let's go. Or like you just said, the, you know, when you're when you're at Austin Stadium, you're on the road, host, really hostile environment, and, and, and you could tell they they really felt it too early with some false starts and some other. It, they really got affected by that. But when you're in that situation, you've got to get off to a really really strong start. It was like Michael. Um, uh, Matt Hasselback, when they went into overtime about with Green Bay, we'll take the ball and we're going to go down to score because that's what they did. They took the ball and they went right down and scored. Yep, and they did it with, you know, they didn't, it wasn't clean. I mean, it was, uh, you know, they had some penalties and some other things go there, you know, that didn't go their way, but they didn't let it deter them. And they were able to, to really uh, take advantage of getting the ball early and 12 plays, 75 yard drive took up over five, almost five and a half minutes. It's it's almost like it's almost like that's how you'd want to draw it up. Hey Scott, could how many semi trucks could you have taken side by side and ran through that hole that Wayne Talapapa scored on? Oh my on? gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean they they replayed that and Brock Heward was breaking it down and he was talking about what Henry Bainavalu and uh, Roger Rosengarden were able to do there and just open it up and it was just it honestly it was just poor leverage and fundamentals by the Oregon team and Washington taking advantage of it and uh, Talapapa. I mean seriously, I think. Chris and I could have run through that that hole and scored a touchdown. That was so wide open. It was ridiculous. It's one of the biggest holes I've ever seen. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. I, I, I remember uh, Hugh Millen talking about what it was like when he would hand off to guys back in the you know early 80s when he was playing for the Huskies. And he said there were times where you could drive and just the, the running backs. He goes, they, we had good running backs, but we didn't even know how good they were because they never had to make a move. They could just run straight up the middle. 
Yeah. No. I, I mean, just looking at Michael Penix when he just t- took him down the field, he's he's just, you know, we'll talk about his interception later. But man, is he cool. He just doesn't seem to have any worry in the world. And boy, his confidence was at an all time high today. Oh, yeah. He, he I, I thought he came out and, and was dialed in. I mean, finished the day really well. Um, has the record for the most passing yards in a in a game against Oregon for the for the Huskies. And and, you know, um you know, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, all the superlatives that we've said about Michael Penix all season long, they just don't feel like enough. But I don't know what else to say about him. I mean, he's just he's just a difference maker for this program. And it's too bad we're probably only going to get him for one season because he is fun to watch. It's, you know, then Oregon gets the ball back. And that's one of the most dynamic offenses we've seen in a while. And we can talk about this a little bit later, too. You know, a young coaching staff, I thought, made a couple of strange calls on a fourth down and an onside kick. But, uh, you know, they get the ball and they're running backs. Does Washington have a running back on their roster or in the pipeline that can run like you? No, no, they do not. Unfortunately, Washington does not. Those are two special running backs. I think both of them are transfers, too, right? Yes. One of them's from Minnesota and one's from Western Kentucky. Kentucky. I think. Yeah, Whittington. Yeah. Whittington's from Western Kentucky. Yeah, it's from Minnesota. Yeah, and and I mean those guys are just absolutely special uh, when they run the ball. And, well, in the first half they put up a stat that Washington had nine missed tackles, and I would guess they probably had close to that in the second half too. Yeah, when you take a look at Bucky Irving, he had 19 carries for 143 yards, and I was going, that's what Washington needs in in this offense. And I was also on the sidelines next to Nigel Burton quite a bit on that first drive. And uh, he commented, he says, Washington's running the ball, and if they're going to run the ball, they're going to win the game. But um, You you mean Oregon? No, when Washington was running the football. Oh, gotcha. First drive. Yeah. He says, if Washington's able to run the ball, they're going to win this game. That'll give them all kinds of fit. But, you know, Bucky Irving and um, uh, Noah Whittingham, they just tore Washington up. And then um, uh, Bo Nix also, just on that first drive, they just carved Washington up, went right down the field. They did. And that, that penalty, uh, the hands to the face, is what really forced them to kick a field goal on that first drive instead of scoring a touchdown. Because they took the ball down to what, what was that, the one or the two or three yard line, whatever they got down to on that play. And then they called it back for um, hands to the face, which was a good call. It wasn't a bad call. And and then they 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 aren't able to do anything. And they ended up settling for that first field goal by Camden Lewis. Yeah. And as dynamic as Oregon's offense was uh, in Washington, limited them. What was the score at halftime? 13-10. I can't even remember. Yes. Yeah, it was 13-10. Yep. Limiting Oregon to 10 points in the first half. Did that kind of surprise you guys? Yes. Yes, yes it did. Yeah. I, I, I don't I I mean, my prediction was 54 35 uh, Oregon. So, yeah, I would say it definitely surprised me. And I think the only reason Oregon didn't score 54 points is because they kept the ball on the ground so much. They ran the ball so much. Yep. That keeps the clock running. Oregon ran. Where's my notes here real quick? Rushing yards, Oregon had 51 rushing attempts. They ran the ball 51 times for 312 yards. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they've done all season. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the other thing in that um, first half, what did you think of that onside kick? Well, I thought it was a bit strange. Um, The one thing I'll say is they were talking about it on the broadcast that um, the calculus is – that they felt that they'd be able to stop Washington's offense 
enough to get the ball back and possibly score before halftime and then get the ball first in the second half. And that's why they decided to do it. I, I disagree with that if that's what the uh, deciding thing was. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I think Washington um, took advantage of that. And, and I mean, there, there are, there's, there's definitely some, some questionable calls that happened in that game that whereas what where Oregon put themselves in bad situations. And that's what you get from young, young uh, coaches who haven't been there before. I, yeah. think I, would, I would add real quick. Most of the time when they're doing special teams, they all, they always have something like that in, in the can. So if they get a certain kind of look up front, like if, if those guys are seeing that the four or five guys that are in Washington's front line are starting to bail early and back up, They'll try to take advantage of that stuff, but Washington didn't fake. They didn't fall for it, just like they didn't fall for it when, um, you know, when uh, Devin Colt made that really nice um, yep. play on it last time. So it, it just sometimes it's based on a look. Sometimes it's just a, a coach, first year coach, who is trying to overthink things, and, and maybe it was a little bit of both. Tell me what you saw on that because they didn't play the replay at Otson, but um, I, I don't. I didn't see who recovered it. I, Alexander, I Junior Alexander. Yeah, it's Junior Alexander. And did Washington bail on that at all? Because Coach he, Moore, he actually he I'm sorry, Kim, I, I'm keep interrupting you, and I'm sorry. No, um, Coach Moore said that they were prepared for it, and they seen it before, and they were actually prepared for it. Yeah, Alexander took a couple of steps, like he was getting ready to head downfield to block, but he stopped himself and righted his body and made the play. So, yeah, and one thing I would add too, real quick, Scott, is that he did start to to go back, but the way the kick was. It ended up still going right to him. Yeah, because the guy kicked it too far. Yeah, it, I mean it wasn't. But it was supposed. To, those are those just need to go to the forty-five. So you have a a fifty-fifty shot at it, and it went all the way to the fifty. And and what's you what's interesting about that is it allowed Washington to go down the field. They didn't score a touchdown, but they lined up for a field goal. And I was in the end zone, and Peyton Henry is lining up. I was standing in the same exact place as I was when he missed the field goal four years ago. And Peyton Henry was kicking pretty much at the same place he did four years ago. So he exercised that demon. And boy, I was thinking about that where it was. We, did that go through your head that it was the same place, same position? No, because nope. he, he was kicking to the West. No, that's kicking. exactly. No, 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 no. It's no, exact. not that time, Chris. That was, Kim is right. That is the same end. Which one? So which one are we talking about? The, the one right the before halftime. The one right. Yeah, that was that was a 27 yard field goal. Um, the, to me, or excuse me, or was it or was it the 30 yard field goal? Whichever that was the one. 30 yarder. Yeah, whichever one you're talking right. about. It's still it was still yes that going into that end absolutely, but it wasn't. Yeah, I, I got. No, confused. I'm sorry, Chris. You're right. It was a 27 yarder. 27. Yeah, but it's it's nothing like what Peyton Henry would do later in the game. Well, the, no, the stakes it, are nowhere near the same. You're talking about the final field goal, but I'm talking about that field goal. But then on his second field goal, it was pretty much the same place I was standing. And Peyton Henry was kicking from pretty much the same place as where he missed it four years ago. So, um, you know, somebody said next to me and I said this, you know, to uh, Peyton, um, they brought it up. That, boy, that's the same exact same exact look yeah, after the second one. He goes, I think he kicked that place's ass, you know. But, uh, yeah, no, it was the same exact angle, same exact pretty much everything. So uh, Except for distance. Distance was a little longer, yeah. but, but yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, same angle, you know, basically, you know, not exactly the same, but it was right there. But yeah. uh, Oregon got the ball back, and, uh, you know, I think that was an important possession because they were going to get the ball back in the second half. Yep, yep, it was. And, well, and the thing is, Oregon goes down and gets themselves in position, and uh, Camden Lewis showed that he didn't have the leg to hit from 54. So then at the end of the game, that told those coaches, hey, we're not going to be able to kick this. I think it would have been about, what, 56-yarder? It would have been like probably about as long. Yeah, or it's, it would have been longer. I know that. But it, but they didn't even attempt it because they knew he didn't have the leg. Oh. And, yeah. and in the fourth quarter, the temperature was quite – there wasn't really any wind down there, but the temperature definitely dropped by the fourth quarter. But I thought that as good as Oregon's offense was in that first uh, half, uh, Washington's defense was able to limit them to 10 points. Excuse me, thirteen well, points. It certainly helped. It certainly helped to get that uh, when Tupatala was able to recover that fumble when Oregon tried to get cute near the end zone. That was a huge kind of one of those those momentum plays, those sudden change plays. Um, Scott, I know you were saying that you thought maybe Tupatala had gotten all the way into the end zone, which would have which would have helped. It looked like um, it was right on the line. Yeah. It. Here, here it is. They're actually showing it on the TV right now as we're talking about it. It's hilarious. No, I've got it, a picture of it. It's, it, it wasn't in the end zone. Okay, because the way it looked on the video, it sure looked like he was right on the line when he covered it. Nah, yeah. But that was a, but that was a huge that was a huge turnaround play. And, and yes, Washington was not able to instantly, um, you know, turn that into points. I think it was one of the few. Was it the was it the only punt that Washington had, or one of only two? They had two punts, yeah. in the game. It was the only yeah. punt in the game. Right, oh, it was the only one in the game. Okay. At least they were able to get out of their own end zone a little bit. And, yes, you know, Jack McAllister couldn't get it to to Oregon's side of the field, but they were still able to get to the point where even if Oregon does score, which they ended up scoring with, with Bo Nix having the same kind of Red Sea parting that Wayne Tulapapa uh, had earlier in the game to tie the game, but like you guys were saying, that gave Washington an opportunity to get the ball back, and that's why the onside kick decision by Dan Lanning at that point in time really didn't make a lot of sense for a number of reasons, because now you basically give Washington a short field to, to at least get three points, mm-hmm. if not seven, and they ended up getting three points. Yeah, just they're going at halftime with uh, Washington leading um, – uh, 13 to 10. 13 to 10. And then I don't know if game plans were changed on offense and defense, but boy, it was just like an assault in the third quarter with offense. Yep. No, they went nuts. I mean, yeah, Yeah. it was like, uh, as we were talking uh, off the air, it was like two totally different games. I mean, Washington, I think they ran for, or they, they accounted for about 225, 230 yards of total offense just in the third quarter alone. And they had to because Oregon almost went for 250 just in that quarter. I mean, it but they did it and they did it in three possessions. Washington only did it in two and a half possessions. Yeah, but it was crazy. I mean, Oregon takes that drive right down and that's when they go over the top to Dante Thornton. And I'm sure that's when Washington fans, all of a sudden it's like heart and mouth. They're like, okay, this is how it's going to go. Right. You know, it only took them three or four plays. Boom. Here we go. But for Washington to come back with panics, to be able to to have that long drive, 10 plays, 65 yards, um, let's not get bogged down in the, in all the kicks that went out of bounds early. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to talk about that because it happened on both sides. But 
that helped Washington a little bit. They were able to get a 65-yard drive score on that next drive, and then it just felt like the kind of back-and-forth basketball on grass that I think most of us anticipated. It wasn't back and forth like a basketball. It was like Hearns and Hagler, because I'll tell you what, Oregon hit Washington in the mouth on that drive. And Washington came back with a couple of counter punches and bam, bam, here we go. And, you know, the whole second half was pretty much like that. It was like, like I said, I thought it was like Hagler Hearns just with all the stuff. Well, that was going well on. yeah, I mean, you, you have a 46 yard uh, touchdown by uh, Dante Thornton. Then you got Cameron Davis getting that three yard touchdown run. But Washington hit a couple big plays in that in that drive. Then you got uh, Noah Whittington with the 29-yard touchdown run where he's untouched. Then you get Jalen Polk on the next drive, 76 yards for a touchdown. And then Troy Franklin, 67 yards for a touchdown. It it was just like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? Yeah, like I said, it was – I mean, it was like I'm going to hit you in the mouth and I'm going to hit you back twice. It just seemed to be going on all over the field. And on the – you know, we got to talk about – you know, we had a debate off the air, um, you know, with the catch that Jalen McMillan made – First of all, uh, Gonzalez was all over him. I'm surprised that there wasn't a flag on that. You, you um, might want to mention, Kim, this is in the first half, though. In on oh, that, Yeah. It was in the third yeah, quarter. Yeah, it was in the second quarter, Kim. No, it was the second quarter. It was after the onside kick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just real quick, and then we'll move back up. But, um, you know, the one of the photographers got a um, uh, a photo uh and she says she's going to post it. It's the gal from the TNT, so look for it. She's got a picture that's showing the ball on the ground, so look for it. My, you know, Chris and Scott are adamant that the video didn't show that, but, boy, the picture I saw, and she says she's going to post it, you know, it shows a ball on the ground, which will make Oregon fans even crazier than they well, already either, are. Well, either way, Washington quick snapped it so nobody could get a look at it anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, I was surprised the flag wasn't called. But that third quarter was just crazy, you know, and the atmosphere down here. Um, I, I mean, I, it's a good atmosphere, and I think they, they do a real good job, but did it have an impact on it? I don't even think it had that much of an impact on those early first half false starts. I think that those guys were just a little bit of nerves in there, you know. So, um, But the third quarter, what, what was the score at the end of the third quarter? 31-27. Okay. And then Michael Penix pick. Talk a little bit about that. But was that in the fourth quarter or the third quarter? It was the beginning of the fourth quarter. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the first minute. Of the- so, so I mean, we, so on the board they were talking about it, and I said, hey, you can criticize Grubbs' play call all you want, and I don't think it was the right call. I think you run the ball on those plays. But that being said, you expect a seat. Uh, not well, he's not a senior quarterback, but a very veteran, experienced quarterback. To get to if he doesn't have the look, he's he's just supposed to throw it away in the fourth row, as Brock Heward said, and he didn't do that. And that that, honestly, it wasn't the greatest play call by Grubb, but Penix, probably his worst play of the season. Yeah, I mean, I would there's no reason he should have thrown that pass. He brain farted. Unfortunately, it was in an important part of the game. You know, we all do it. But uh, I know he was he was throwing it to Jack Westover, and I'm just not sure he saw the under underneath guy. Was it Noah Sewell who tipped it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, guys, we saw we saw the pick six against Oregon State on a not a similar play, but a similar philosophy in the sense that Penix was you know he was on, he saw things he saw things. And he just didn't see the guy literally, almost literally in front of him. And that was the linebacker that, you know, eventually tipped the ball and it got uh, picked off by Bassa. 
um, at the at the one yard line, and that's what started Oregon's monster twenty play drive. <laughs> yeah, hey Chris, I don't know if you saw it on the replay, but if you re- if you watch that replay, it, if Penix throws that even just another six inches wider. Westover probably makes the catch and Sewell is not able to to touch it. Oh yeah, but there's no doubt there's no doubt in my Sewell mind. Sewell made a hell of Penix, a play. Penix, he's he saw something. He yeah. thought he could fit it in. But I I just think that given the, the the time and situation of the game where it's on the line and you and and you need points. I mean, it, it, whether even if you get kick a field goal and it's 31-30 at that time, you've got to you've got to come away with something in that scenario, you just can't be on the road against the number six team in the country and think that you can make those kind of mistakes and recover. Yeah. As it turned out, they did though. It uh, by the grace yeah. by the grace it, it of was somebody, one, they did. It was a hell of a play by New, no, uh, Noah Sewell though. Yes, it was. I mean, that was that, he is an and, impressive guy. And the and the drive of Oregon on that it, that's got to be as impressive as I, I I mean that was just insane. Well, 20, it, it, 20 it, plays and 18 yeah. runs. Yeah, it was basically Washington's drive last week against Oregon State. I mean, what, what did Washington go? 19 plays, 91 yards. And yeah, that that was a that was a four minute drive that that I I'm pretty sure Dan Lanning and and uh, and their OC were basically just saying this is where we put down our marker. Yeah. This is where we literally just knock Washington into the dirt and show that we are the alpha males of this game and we're going to, we're just going to take it to you. And for the most part, they did until the very end when they pretty much telegraphed the the quarterback yeah. draw yeah. By, by, by Bo Nix. They showed it earlier in the game. I mean, if, if everybody in the, everybody at Austin stadium had to be thinking Bo Nix is not giving this ball to anybody else, but Bo Nix. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of Jack Coletto last week. You know, yeah. I mean, we talked about it. Everybody knows what Jack Coletto is going to do, and nobody stops it. Washington did. Guess what? Everybody knew that Knicks was going to take it, and and the the depth that Alex Cook came from was impressive. He oh, did yeah. that the whole way. He came right down, and he laid a hat on him, and then he got some help from somebody. I think it might have been Jeremiah Martin, but whoever it was um, that that gave him some help in getting Knicks down, that was huge. And the other thing I would say too, Scott, is that we were talking off the air about whether or not Lanning was thinking about going for it until he realized yeah. that Nix was hurt. Do you do you still think that he would? I still have think. Gone? Well, if you watch if you watch the replay, uh, Nix is kind of looking over at the sideline, and these I'm assuming they're telling him they're going for it. So he turns around and he starts to walk, and then all of a sudden his leg buckles. Yeah. And. And and then he sits on the ground and you're just like, what the heck was that? It wasn't. Is that a delayed reaction to the hit that he got? I I, I can't tell. I I have no idea what happened there, but he was hurt. And I think that's why because uh, it was what was it? Third. It would have been fourth and what? Two, fourth well, and three. Yes. Just real quick, Scott. It was third and five from the ten. Uh-huh. And, and he attempted the quarterback sneak. And I thought the hole was there. And Alex Cook. It looked like he was shot out of a cannon. And, he did. And yeah. it looks like he hit him, what, in the back of the neck or something? No, he went low. He hit him. He at, yeah, he hit, Alex, Alex Cook hit him right around the knee, but it, it he didn't hurt his knee. It was his ankle. So maybe it got folded up under him, but he got up and was walking around just fine. And then all of a sudden he turns around to go back into the huddle and his leg just, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 
Or did he was it? I thought it might have been he was just kind of knocked silly or, you know, it was a little wobbly from that. No, he he needed help off like he was not putting weight on his leg. But the the interesting thing is and I know we're going to get to that last uh, thing here. And well, I, come back to me when we talk about the last the second to last series for Oregon. Today. Well, after that, after that, with you know, when he went out, that's when Oregon kicked the field goal to go up yep. uh, but 34-27. So they were up by seven points. And then um, Washington, you know, got the ball back and um, uh, drove down and uh, 62 uh, yards. Yeah, had a 62 yard, and that was real, real quick with a uh, long pass to Jalen. Was it Jalen Polk? Oh, Taj Davis. Taj, Taj Davis, yeah. Yeah, to Taj Davis. And the, the angle that I was at at the sideline, I saw him throw the ball. I thought he, I was kind of blocked out a little bit. I thought he threw it out of bounds because I saw a receiver underneath, and I thought he airmailed it. And all of a sudden, I see Josh Taj Davis running by me, and I thought, what the hell just happened? I thought he threw it out of bounds. Well, yeah. it's because it's because the, the Oregon defender flashed in front of him right after right after Davis caught the ball. Yeah, number it, four. It, is that Bennett? Yeah, Brock Heward, yeah. Brock Heward was absolutely gushing about this throw, and he had every reason to be because that was on the far hash. It was on a third and seven. He literally had to throw that ball how far? Maybe 40 yards on a line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and literally just put it in the perfect spot where only Davis could catch it. The the Oregon defender was a half step behind. And as soon as he committed to try to knock that ball down, the only question was going to be whether Taj Davis was going to stay in bounds initially. Because once he got his footing, no one was going to catch him. Yeah, that tied the game up at 34-34. And then Oregon got the ball back um, with um, three minutes three to minutes get left. Out. Yeah. And of Oregon. course, everyone on the message boards at that point, Kim, is saying, oh, they scored too soon. I yeah. was. I was saying it myself. I yeah. said it, too. I said it, too. I figured I had to say it because someone was going to say it. <laughs> they have a tie football game with three minutes to go, and uh, Bo Nix doesn't come out. It's Ty Thompson. Yeah, so Thompson comes in. He hands it off a couple times. I think he threw one pass, but whatever it was, he, he hands it off. And then so they're facing fourth and one from their own, what, 33? Is that where it was? 34, Oregon 34. Yeah. At the Oregon 34. And I now now here's where the questions come in. I, I understand his thinking. Hey, we've run the ball down Washington's throat all game long, game long. Why wouldn't we do it now? But what what I found interesting was it's fourth down and they've broken the huddle and, and Ty Thompson's kind of walking up to the thing. And you can see Nick's come over and say, hey, coach, I'm ready. I'm able to go in. And he's jumping up and down and showing him that I can, you know, that I'm good. I thought they might call timeout and and see what's going on and then put Nick's in. Because if Nick's is in there, it's a completely different play call, possibly. Well, I would also add to that, Scott, real quick, yeah. that if you're Dan Lanning and you see your star quarterback, who you think is probably pretty banged up, or at least uh-huh. the field pretty banged up, and all of a sudden he's jumping around and seeing what you can do. Are you thinking, man, do I call a timeout in this situation? And then all of a sudden waste that timeout to find that, no, he's just, he, he wants to get in the game, but there's no way we should really be putting no, in that it, situation. And it, it, it's a terrible situation for Lanning to be in. Yeah. That's you what know, I, I mean, that's what I, that's why I said, I, or at least it, my thinking was Lanning should just, he, he just, if they can't get a yard, then they should be. Yeah. And, and the thing yeah. is, the thing is, that guy tries to make a cut and it's because Washington has gotten penetration off of that side. Oh, yeah. And and he slips. 
I don't think he gets it even if he stays on his feet. I'm not sure either. I'm not sure. The surge that Washington had gotten was really, really good. And just real quick, I mean, they're they're going for it on fourth down, and there's a minute 41 to go. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was a huge – I I understand why they did it because Washington had shown that they could drive the ball on them. But, I mean, I I just think you're giving Washington the ball in in your territory and they've been able to move the ball on you. They're probably going to score. It's one of the more remarkable things that I can remember seeing just given the situation because, honestly, guys, what it reminded me of is it reminded me of when Dennis Erickson – decided to play a little roulette and they played, they tried to draw the ball with Kenny Simonton uh, with Oregon state in the 2000 game at Washington and where they needed to kind of, you know, not burn time because they didn't really have a lot of time to waste. And they tried to, to sneak a draw in there and Larry triplet just buried it. And so they had to come in and they had to clock it real fast. And then they missed the field goal. Oregon state won the game. To me, it just felt like a situation where, Oh, you know, the last thing in the world you want to have happen is a guy get, you know, buried in the backfield. This time, it just happened to be a different way of, of the way it went about. And to me, Scott, it came across to me as something that Mario Cristobal would have done. <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Dan Lanning is a meathead like uh, Mario Cristobal, but um, he's got his own problems. So <laughs> he's yeah. got his own problems down there at Miami. Why should it take some ball back with a minute 26 and uh, Michael Penix, you know, Jack Westover, you know, coming up with another big play for a nine yard gain. And, you know, they get it all the way down to where um, or Washington is able to attempt a field goal of uh, 43 yards, 43 yards. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, go ahead, kid. Well, what was funny was on the um, the play before that uh, Cam Davis, um, he lost a. Uh, two yards or one yard and if it uh he hadn't lost that would have been from 41 yards softy would have had a heyday with that from 41 yards the field goal would have been so uh I, he, I thought the interesting thing about that guys is that that was into the prevailing wind that had been coming out of the west all night so whatever field goal length it was going to be that was probably just going to add a couple extra yards to it to just make it that much more difficult but Man, he buried that thing like it was a no doubter. I mean, that thing never created. Yeah. That was a hell of a. That's just a hell of a kick. And how, I'm how so happy good? for him, by the way. Yeah. So. How do you not feel good for for Peyton Henry? I mean, that's that was a that's a redemption arc four years into the making. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Yep. In college, you know, oh. sometimes in the pros, maybe you go years and years, and finally you get a chance to redeem yourself. You know, very, very rarely in college do you get a second chance when you almost have a repeat of something that you should have done and should have been successful at the first time to come back and finally get a chance to do it again. And thankfully, yeah. he was able to bury that thing because I would have been I would have felt really, really horrible. Yeah. Oregon, yeah, admit it. Oregon gets the ball back with 51 seconds and Bo Nix comes back out on the field. But he was not the same. He he had no power in his throws, um, no zip on him because he couldn't step into him because of his ankle. Uh, wasn't able to uh, escape the sack. I mean, it's the only – think about this. Washington just doubled Oregon's sack total yeah. for the entire season. I mean, they, they'd only given up one sack through nine games, the only team to ever do that in FBS. And Washington got a sack at one of the most crucial times of the game. 
definitely definitely one of the reasons why I just didn't see Washington being able to make the plays when they needed to to pull this thing out just because of what you're talking about, Scott. I mean, just the statistics and the way they have been going about it. I mean, ever since they lost to Georgia, guys, they have scored more than 40 points against everybody. But they didn't tonight. Yeah, uh, on that drive, I'm trying to look down the um, play, but at what point was it? Um, was it third down when they had the completion that was going to give them the first down, but uh, the penalty called because the guy ran out of bounds? That was on, I no, think that it was, was on first down. down. Yeah, that was, that was the first, first down, down play. play. They just they only had time for one play. Yeah. yeah. And that would have put them in field goal range, correct? Absolutely would have. It was like that would have been. It would have been close. It would have been close. It would have been right there, right yeah. there. And just from I saw the scoreboard replay of it, and it sure looked like his foot went out of bounds. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe definitely once, possibly twice. Yeah, it, I, the replays. Yeah, the replays weren't great on, on on the TV copy simply because all the angles that they were showing were from the other from the other sideline. So it just made things really difficult to tell. But, you know, the one thing that you could say is that line judge behind the play, he it was no doubter for him. He ran right up there and was like, nope, nope, that yeah. was stepped out. You didn't go back and reestablish. That's a penalty. Who was so on the he, he, was commi- he was committed to it. He seemed really sure of it. And, you know, for Washington's sake, thankfully the Pac-12 refs didn't Pac-12 ref that one. By the way, that was a heck of a ca- – it didn't count because of the penalty, but Franklin made a heck of a catch because Alex Cook was right there. Yeah, Frank, was, Franklin had a Franklin that, had a strong game. He I mean, did, but I mean that catch was solid on yeah. his part. I mean, he had five five catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. Not, not a bad day's work. No. Who was on the call, guys? Well, uh, Heward was the was the color guy. Jason Bonetti was the play by play guy. I was a little surprised. I don't know if they sent another sketch or skeleton crew, but uh, typically they have um, the camera on the whatever you call it, the mobile thing going up and down the field. They didn't have that today on oh, the sky side. cam. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had the sky cam, but they didn't have the um, uh, you know how they have the vehicle with the camera guy going up. Oh, back and forth down the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have that. So I was just wondering if it was a skeleton crew again. I don't know. I just know, I just know that they showed the pick a couple times. And, and uh, <laughs> Brock was not happy about that one, especially I think the second time they did it. I think yeah. he was he was kind of done with that. Yeah, let me just go down a couple of the stats real quick on uh, rushing yardage. Washington, 22 carries for 114 yards. Oregon, huge night on the ground, 51 carries for 312 yards. Washington only had 50, um, 57 total plays. I don't know if that's a low for the season or not. but Oh, 50, yeah, I don't think it's even close. Yeah, yeah 50, 57 plays, but 522 total yards against, uh, keep in mind, Washington, 57 plays. Oregon had 79 plays, a total of 592 yards, almost 600 total yards, which shouldn't really surprise anybody. Uh, There was only one punt in the game, one punt in the entire game, and that was Jack McAllister. Penalties wasn't really that big of a deal. Five for Washington, seven for Oregon. Time of possession, 25 for Washington, 33 for Oregon. When you take a look at the rushing yardage, Wayne Talapapa, 10 carries for 70 yards. Cameron Davis, 10 carries for 24 yards. And big night for Michael Penix again. Um, you know, where we're used to seeing him throw the ball 50 times as of late. 26 of 35 
for 408 and two touchdowns, and he had one interception. But he wasn't sacked again tonight. Zero sacks for Michael Penix, so kudos to the offensive line. Jalen McMillan was targeted 10 times. He caught nine uh, for 122 yards. Romo Dunsey, eight targets, six receptions for 56 yards. And Jalen Polk, five targets with three catches, 95 yards. But uh, that big, long 76-yard um, catch. On the other side, Oregon, Bucky Irving and Noah Whittingham. Irving, 19 carries for 143. Whitting, um, Whittington is uh, 20 carries for 108. Bo Nix, 19 of 27 with no interceptions. He had 280 yards, two touchdowns with a long of uh, 67 and leading tacklers. Who do you, did, you, did you look at the stat sheet yet, Scott? Do you know who yeah. the leading tackler was? For the Huskies? Yeah. Yeah, it was Asa Turner. Asa Turner with 12, Alfonso Tupatala with eight, Alex Cook with six. And I there, are th- there are three other players with six, too, yeah. Yeah, sacks. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Was it? Um, uh, they just got they got one sack. It was Braylon Trice. Yeah, Braylon Trice got a sack on that. So, um, just like I said, it was just a real interesting game. And just when they won, um, the guy that I saw, I didn't see Peyton Henry right after the game. A couple of guys that were really, really emotional, um, as you could imagine. Jackson Kirkland was walking on air. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, his his dad was at the at the coin toss. Dean yeah. was there for the coin toss. Yeah, Jackson was walking on air. Uh, Courtney Morgan, uh, the recruiting coordinator, um, he had tears in his eyes. And what was kind of funny, I sent you guys a, a, a link to a tweet with Tracy Ford uh, with Ford Sports with all the guys down for the game. So, um, you know, <laughs> they saw all, all the kids from Ford Sports Sports saw. So um, anyways, just a really emotional scene after the game. Jen Cohen going wild after the game, as you can possibly imagine. Coach DeBoer with just a big smile on his face. And, uh, uh, you know, so he, he doesn't get too high or too low. And just you might hear a reference to this, but um, it's kind of a Mickey Mouse setup they have for post game. They actually have it in kind of a little tent outside. And we are in the middle talking to uh, Jalen McMillan and the lights went out. <laughs> so. Yeah, but uh, DeBoer said later that uh, – He's more than happy with it because he's they're two and zero so far when the lights go out, so he's fine with it. Yeah. With the well, game, did they win the Fresno game when the lights went out? I, I don't know. I can't remember if he said they did, but um, he actually said because I was listening to the post game while I was doing my write up, and when he came on with Tony Castricone, um, he said one of the reasons I'm a little later than usual is because I had to change my clothes because I was soaking wet <laughs> from getting dunked by all the guys. Oh, wow. So, so it sounds what? like he got a lot of water and other stuff thrown on him. By the way, Kim, I was gonna I was gonna give you one more stat to ponder. Yeah. Did you guys happen to know how many rush yards Washington had in the fourth quarter alone? No. Zero. Minus one. Minus one. Yeah. Oh. They had one carry for minus one yards, and that was that Cameron Davis run. Magic Mike. Well, think about this too, Kim. You you said that the penalties weren't that big of a deal, and they didn't play it. I think they played a role in Oregon not being able to score a couple times because of the couple pl- penalties. But last week, remember we talked about it. Washington had nine penalties for ninety-two yards. Yeah. And today the they had five penalties for twenty-five yards. I thought I thought the refs were pretty invisible today. I don't think there was a lot of calls. There wasn't any big controversies and you know, we didn't have any moments where a ref was trying to you know I'm gonna, I did. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I thought they refed a pretty good game. Yeah. Uh, well they, that's the thing, it's right. You want them to be consistent. 
You know, if they're if they're because I know a lot of Washington fans thought that there was a lot of holding going on early. And my feeling on that is that's fine as long as they don't call it on if they don't call it on both sides, then that means the coaches know what the what the marker is, what the mm-hmm. what the expectation is. Just stay consistent with whatever your calls are that you're making. That's all that's all you can ask a referee, uh, an officiating crew to do. Right. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. about all you can ask. Yeah, just one more thing. You know, we kind of had some it wasn't easy getting credentialed. It wasn't easy getting a parking pass. And when we finally got our parking pass for the media, they told us that the lot was full. So that was an adventure. And then um, the lights going out, um, you know, when we were doing the interview with Jalen McMillan. And as soon as the game was over, I turned my camera because I wanted to get a picture of the scoreboard. Oh, no, they they don't want any. I don't want any photo reference of that. Yeah, no, they took it down. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't want anything like that. Guys, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap my part up here with a couple of other, other quick little stats. So Washington actually outscored Oregon 10-3 to in the fourth quarter only. But do you want to know what the time of possession was for each team in that period? Oregon had... 13 minutes and five seconds of possession. <laughs> Washington scored 10 points on one minute and 55 seconds worth of possession. You want to talk about efficiency. I don't know if it gets that. That harkens to me. That sounds more like Chip Kelly's Oregon. Right. You know, they yeah. just lightning fast. They just go, you know, right down the field, blah, blah, blah. That's that's amazing that they actually outscored Oregon in the fourth quarter with with less than two minutes of total possession in that period. Unbelievable. And that just tells you what kind of a upside down game it was. It was crazy. Yeah. Scott Eklund, wrap it up for us. Boy, I one of the one of the highlights of my day today um was listening to my sons and my wife cheering downstairs as I'm as they're they're cheering and my my littlest son comes running up and says, Dad, Washington won. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um yeah, I mean it was it, Crazy game, um, fun game to watch. Um, I know I, you know, I know Husky fans wouldn't have liked it if they, they had been on the receiving end, but it seems like they've had so many close losses to Oregon over the last few years that to get this win in a place that they they never seem to win that that often, it, it's just, it's huge. Yeah, this is so big for the program moving forward. I mean, they have a chance, guys, to get to 10 wins. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they could get double-digit wins. And they've only had a handful of double-digit win seasons. So, you know, I, it's huge. This game is huge for so many reasons, but part of it is just to stuff it right in the face of Duck Nation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris Fetters, wrap it up. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll go that, that, that crazy, but I will say that um, – you know, the, the recruiting impact that a game like this can have is is so hard to judge. I mean, it's it could be – I mean, when you talked about, Kim, you talked about Tracy Ford, Ford Sports, all those guys being down there, they get to see it firsthand. Now, they're obviously seeing it with the Oregon spin. They get the, they get the facilities and all that. They get that tour. That's one thing to consider. But when you're actually seeing the game and what the Washington coaches can represent and they can – the story that they can tell now to these players – players that are homegrown players, that's that's going to be huge. I mean, that's that's where the recruiting impact can really uh, be uh, kind of measured. And it won't necessarily be with this 2023 class. I know people might be disappointed with that, but this class is almost all done. 
at this point. This is all about 2024 and, and going forward on that. But the other thing, like I said, the, the, the Peyton Henry redemption arc is unbelievable. The Mike Penix, uh, just the, the big Penix energy and all that stuff, incredible. Um, you know, you just saw so many different storylines come to the fore. And I, I will tell everyone right now who's listening to this, I, I have eaten my share of humble pie tonight. I did not see this coming at all. I did not think Washington had it in them defensively to stop Oregon. And in some ways, Oregon stopped themselves a little bit. But when it came up to the points and the moments that mattered, they really stepped up and did the business and really got it done. Hey guys, if, if you're a Washington fan, how can you not be pleased? One thing I wanted to bring up and I forgot, so I just want to go back to the game. Um, we didn't get an explanation. I know DeBoer was going absolutely crazy on that last drive when the Oregon player went down with about 10 seconds to go. And the clock. It's because it was on a first down. It's because the, when, the play, when the clock had stopped on first down, that meant that they would not have a runoff. If it was if it was like a second or third down, it would have been different. But because they had to stop the clock to move the chains, that's when they were allowed to do that. Hey, it's, just want to it give, sucks, but that's that's the way it works. Just want to give you guys a couple of quotes that I'm just seeing. Uh, Troy Franklin, when asked if he was shoved out of bounds on that play, he says most definitely, yeah. The Washington quarterback was tight to the sideline. He definitely gave me a little shove, but it is what it is. Um, when no, asked that, an explanation, that's a shove. Sorry, that, that, that was not a shove. That was not even close to a shove. That was more of a booty bump than a shove. Yeah, hang on. And then uh, after the flag, uh, the field, uh, the touch on uh, the field stalled. Um, Dan Lanning, I was told the guy went out of bounds. Uh, I'm anxious to hear more on the explanation, but just that he went out of bounds, came back in and touched the ball first. So, anyways, that's, that's what. But that's what. That's that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So anyways, just getting ready to leave. I'm actually heading back up to Beaverton tonight and the fog. I just put it out on Twitter, the fog in us in uh, Autzen. You can barely see across the field. There's so much fog out at Autzen right now. Great win for uh, Coach DeBoer and uh, a lot of the seniors, especially a guy like Alex Cook. Um, you know, he was pretty emotional post game and Jen Cohn was pretty emotional post emotional, excited, uh, would, is what I would call, but, you know, just a great win for Washington. So, um, it's been tough. It's, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but you know, these coaches, I think get the rivalry a little bit, but I don't think that they understand what Washington fans have been through over the years with Oregon and, uh, how much the losses have hurt so guys like jackson kirkland alex cook kudos to them so do you, think, do you think they get it now kim now that they've seen it up close and personal in eugene hope so i hope so I, next year's, I think it would be hard for them not to get it at this point next year's game at husky stadium i expect to be a little more raucous than it was this year so anyways it's late we all got work to do i gotta head back to beaverton so uh, you know, just keep it right here at dogman.com. We'll keep you up to date and looking forward to Monday's press conference and basketball game as well on Monday. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, go dogs.